Thank you for tuning in to Shift the Plan podcast, where it is never too late to change the game. I'm your host, Rhonda Evans, and here we'll be listening to stories of the everyday woman. How life just, you know, brings you a little bit of obstacles, but what matters is what you do within the shift. Today on Shift the Plan podcast, we'll be talking to Melanie Hearn, also known as Melanie J. Comedy. She is a Detroit stand-up comedian who once had her eyes set on law school. So once she realized just how funny she really was and that this was truly her passion, she decided to just hit the ground running. She closed her eyes and leaped, and now she is Melanie J. Comedy. So sit back and listen and enjoy this episode. So we have the one and only Miss Melanie Hearn, Melanie J. Comedy, and I'm excited not only because she's dope in real life, but because it's family. So (laughs) when you get a chance to interview your own family who is doing some really, really good dope things out there, like I'm in the company of some some black excellence all the time, so I'm a fan. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Mel. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on, Miss Rhonda. No problem. When I saw how, you know, a lot of times people get scared of what they should be doing, and they're like, I don't know. I'm not going to do it. But you just kind of just jumped out there and was like, I'm going to do it because this is what I want to do. This is what I love. This is my passion. And I don't care what people think. So, that's why I really needed to have you on the show because I need people to understand that it's okay to jump with your eyes closed. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say this is that um, there was some fear. The thing is, is you have to learn how to do stuff afraid. Um, yeah. You have to learn. And the biggest thing when I started doing comedy um it's before I did comedy, I was actually on my way to law school before I started comedy. And I had a whole nother path in law enforcement and everything else, but I wasn't really happy. It wasn't really what I wanted to do. And my mother ended up getting me uh, classes to a comedy, comedy class, comedy school. And I ended up taking that. And the first time I walked in the club, like everything just, I knew this was it. But before I started comedy, you know, I knew I wanted to do comedy back in 2011, but I was afraid. Um, well, you know what? Well, we're not going to give them all the nuggets just yet. We're oh, not yet? Okay. Today. Yeah, we're not going to give it to them just yet. So let's go back. So you said, well, let's go back in the day. Because a lot of times people say, well, I always knew I wanted to do this or I always knew I wanted to do that. When you were growing up, did you always know that, you know, I was the funny kid and I think I could do this in real life? Um, I always knew I was weird. I always knew I was <laughs> different. I always knew I liked to make people laugh, but I never knew that being a comedian was an actual career. Like I saw people on TV, um, but I just didn't know how to get from my living room to the stage. You know, okay. I didn't know it was an actual career. Okay. Okay. So you already knew, like, look, I'm unique. I'm different. And it's okay to be different. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Yeah, it took me a minute to think. Once I started doing comedy, I was like, oh, this is why I act the way I act. Okay. <laughs> Everything began to make sense for me. <laughs> right. And then it clicked. You're like, oh, that's why. Yeah, this is why. This is why I do stupid stuff. But my family, I feel like they kind of always knew because it was certain stuff that I would do that I can get away with. Um, and my other cousins couldn't like we used to have the old keyboard, so when you hit the demo button on the keyboard, it, it plays a song, and I would call and play on my grandma's phone all the time. And she'd be like, Manny, I know it's you playing on granny's phone. I'd be like, Miss Ola, you just won the lottery. And she'd be like, Manny, stop playing on granny's phone. And But anybody else would have got in trouble, but because it was me, you know, they I got away with it. So maybe they knew something that I didn't know beforehand, because, you know, I kind of got away with stuff other people didn't get away with. Lord, just imagine if all of that had been recorded. Like, you were doing prank phone calls way back in the day. Way back in the day. Oh, my gosh. Look, you you, should have recorded that now. We can't miss any moment. I'm not missing anything. No more moments, okay? No more more moments. Okay, so you you would do that growing up, but then for some reason, you were like, okay, I'm going to stay with the norm, and I'm just going to go this path. So you said you originally went to school uh, for law. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was, um, I was actually a probation officer at one point in time, and then I transitioned to wanting to go to law school because, you know, I went to college, and I, all my siblings, you know, my girl cousins and everybody, you go to school, you get a good job. You get a degree, you know, bam, bam, bam. So your dreams and all that stuff, it kind of go out the window because I had no reference point. There was nobody I can be like, oh, I want to be a stand-up comedian. I, I kind of lost the dream for a minute. I didn't even thought about it. Um, and then I just went on my regular path, went to school, graduated, got my degree, um, went to be a probation officer, you know, did the whole law school, just did what everybody expected me to do. I put it to you like that. Mm-hmm. The expectation kind of helps to it not helps because we don't want to fizzle out the dream, but it kind of puts that dimmer on what the dream is. When did the dream start to really foster like, okay, maybe I can do this. Let me test the waters before you kind of was like, forget it. I'm just going to go ahead and go down a normal path. Um, I think what ended up happening was probably, I think, was it 2008 maybe? I saw a female christian comedian named crystal p and i saw her at our church and i started seeing and something just connected me to her because i was like oh this is a woman doing comedy and you know no disrespect to my death count comedians you know like the samores and all of them but that wasn't my genre my genre i didn't i didn't talk about sex i didn't talk about those things so i felt like i wasn't black enough i felt like whatever i was talking about wouldn't relate with black people because all I saw was deaf comedy jam. So when mm-hmm. I saw her and she was doing clean Christian comedy, it was something that was relatable to me. And I ended up talking to her and, uh, you know, we exchanged information and she was like, you know, if there's anything you ever need, just let me know. But that was the first time the dream had kind of came, started to come back. Um, but, you know, I still didn't do it for years later, but that's the first time it started to come back. That's awesome because like you said, not and no offense to the other female comedians that are out there, but you know, it was just the thing to do where I need to be raunchy. I need to be vulgar to get the people to laugh or to even measure up to the male comedians. Do you think that that's still a very big issue right now when it comes to uh, being in, uh, 
industry that seems to be, you know, dominated by men? I would say um, not so much. We picked up another string of problems I put in. So where you lay one issue down, another one came up. So mm. I think right. now women are more free to be who they want to be. Comedy is still set up kind of segregated. Um, in your urban rooms, it is a little harder sometimes for the, the smart black funny girl to fit in, you know. And that's where oh. I think people start liking Amanda Seals because she bought that, you know, that smart black intelligent. And I'm not saying that black people aren't smart black and funny. It's just that when it comes to laughter, we have a different different brain when it comes that way. We, we think differently. We want quick, quick, quick. So it wasn't time for for that. Um, and then you had the women that were able to do that. So I think now you have a transition where people are wanting to see a different style of comedy because black people are more eclectic now. You know, we, mm-hmm. we you know, you have people who are earthy and neo soul and then you still have the people. So I think now it's given women more range to be a little bit more different um, than what we were before. But in the same token, now we still face the challenge of, oh, well, now we finna bring a girl to the stage. Oh, ladies, this for y'all. Why, why, why I just can't be a comedian? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily here for the ladies or um, or now we're bringing a girl to the stage. I ain't been a girl in a long time. So um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm a grown woman. <laughs> grown woman. And it's almost like now if you have, it, now it's hard to get more than one female comedian on the show. It's like you got one, oh, we met our quota. That's it, you know. So now is, and then if you get more than one female on the show, now it's an all-girl show. No, it's just two women on the show. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we laid down one problem, picked up another one, so to speak. Well, it seems like to me that whatever the the stigmas are or the issues when it comes to your particular industry, for you, you're just doing it. You're like, okay, take it or leave it. You're going to get all of this. I don't care how you feel, what you say, whatever. You're going to get Melanie J comedy. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not apologetic for it, you know? Um, and I think you brought up a good point. Like, with Amanda Seals, she says whatever. And if she seems to rub somebody the wrong way, oh, well. And she has no problem calling people out. Uh-huh. And it's so hilarious to me. <laughs> But there are a lot of it's a lot of female comedians out there like that. Um, one of my local friends, Heather J, she's like that. Um, and we have it's just to have that kind of smart quip and that that intelligent humor is is awesome. And she don't hold yeah. no punches either. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of tell our listeners what that was like getting actually into the business. Like, okay, stepping into the kiddie pools and you like, look, I'm about to just make this splash. Um, it kind of, it happened faster than I thought. Um, once I did the classes, it was like six classes and I did like a graduation show, but what ended up happening was it, I really didn't have time for the kitty pool because mm. as soon as I came out the gate, um, you know, I was funny. <laughs> like this is, this is, this this is it. And, and people, <laughs> honestly, and people was like, oh, well, so by the next month I was in the competition. By the third month I won that competition. By the fourth month, I was getting paid. You know, by the fifth month, I'm getting booked and I'm hosting. You know, by month six, you know, I won another competition. So I never really have had a chance to let it process and breathe because I've been moving ever since it happened. Um, And then you just end up getting into bigger pools and bigger pools and bigger pools. And, you know, you just keep going. And you kind of, 
you can't allow yourself to you're going to feel fear going from one level to the next, but you can't allow yourself to let it overtake you. You just got to keep moving and you almost get so busy that you forget about the fear, you know, and you just keep going. Cause you working, you, you working. working. There's no time for fear. You know, <laughs> you out there getting gigs. Yeah. You're working. And you never know where opportunities, you know, it's, it's so many things. And one thing I will say about being a comedian is it's just important to be, um, a decent person on stage as it is off stage. Oh, wow. I'm so glad you said that. I am so glad you said that because with social media alone, it is so easy for people to be one way to give a certain perception, but in real life, they're not at all who they say they are. And so with that statement alone, it's like, I'm, I am who I am on stage and I'm just as authentic as I am off stage. Like this is me, period. Yeah, that's that's the problem like that. And what people don't understand, whether you're in entertainment, if you whatever you're doing, that can make the difference between you getting the contract from people wanting to work with you. Um, you know, that can make a big difference if if you're a jerk off stage and somebody just say um, Kevin Hart came to town and, and he wanted to take you on the road. But everybody in your local scene said that you was a jerk off stage. That might make a difference. So that local scene, okay, is it like being in, you know how you're in a small town and everybody know everybody, everybody, so everybody knows everything. Is that how it is in the industry when you're in your particular city? It's like, do everybody know a little bit something about all the comedians in that area? Absolutely, because we're like a little fraternal order. We're, we're, we're a family. <laughs> Um, yeah, you family. Y'all all y'all got. Yeah, we all we got. We gonna bicker like a family. We gonna do everything like a family, but you better not say nothing about my family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's because ideally we go to open mics together, we we go to shows together, we might be booked out of town together. Um, you know, you come up through the trenches with people, we go to open mics, you know. So it's a once you and then you have to prove yourself to get in the family. Everybody just can't get in the family. You know, you can't just get up there and be like, oh, I did comedy once. I'm a Detroit comedian. You got to pay some dues. So I was going to ask you that question right there. Like, was that easy for you, them to welcome you and say, okay, come on, you part of the family? Um, you know how you get welcome, yo, because here's the thing. It wasn't that it wasn't easy because they really kind of accepted me. Um, but when they met me, I had, I had, I was funny. So you couldn't deny me. Mm-hmm. so rather you didn't want to fool with me you couldn't deny that I was funny so regardless of the fact of and that's how we prove ourselves as comedian nobody can say anything she funny I, I can't I can't argue with that you know what I'm saying so you know once they figured out I was funny you know they kind of just let me into the fold and started trying to groom me and help me and everything like that now if I wasn't funny I would have heard that too <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, we need to work on some things. Yeah, what was that? Ugh, that's terrible. You'd be like, ah, really? Yeah. So, yeah, it happens. <laughs> so, tell our, our listeners what that first experience was like. Oh, man. It was, um, it was almost surreal. Like, I walked on there, I was nervous as, as all outdoors. I was nervous that whole, like, day week everything like coming up into it um and then when I got on stage it was just like something happened your adrenaline when they say your adrenaline and you just tune everything out you do I said something the audience laughed and I said whoa I said something else they laughed again 
And so that's when I figured out that I got the power to make these people laugh from what's coming out my mouth. And I mean, it was just like a high. I can't, it's just, it's just like a high. You know? Uh, Yeah. I could, I probably, I don't even, I know that night I didn't really, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited because you can't sleep. (laughs) And then from there. So you said that everything went like super fast. And so even though, you know, you as an individual, you're going up there and you're you're doing the work. How is it when it comes to treating this like a business and making sure that you're doing all of your checks and balances, especially with how quickly all of this took place? Um, well, the first thing is, and that's a part of paying your dues. Uh, I've been doing comedy for four years. So I would say those first two to three years, um, I focused on my craft. So, and I let the money follow me. You know, I focused on getting funny. I focused on doing different things. So I know that when it was time for me to make that transition, that I at least knew that I had a good product to sell, which is my joke. So, you know, I knew that I was pretty decent. At this stage of the game, now as you start to progress, you have to treat it like a career. You have to, you know, See if it makes sense. Am I going to take a show four hours away for a hundred dollars? No. Now, when I first started, I would have drove two hours and fifty bucks. And now I'm not doing that. So now you just start to weigh what makes sense to you. Does the money make sense? Does the opportunity make sense? Um, is this a part of my brand? I don't have to do every show because every show don't line up with with my brand. Um, mm-hmm. so no, I'm not going to do a show with you know all these certain people, and that's not what I do. So now I'm not going to do an all raunchy girl show because I'm not a raunchy girl. And everybody's going to be expecting that. I'm not going to deliver that. You're going to get something different. So you begin to kind of figure out, and you treat it like a career. I treat comedy just like a job. I save receipts. Um, You know, I have an account. I have, you know, you treat it just like a regular business. So that's, so I think that's kind of how I started, you know, um, training like a career and you just have to know what works for you and what does not work for you but the biggest way to know that is you have to know your end game because every comic we don't have the same end game if you want to be a writer then your approach is going to be different if you want to be on movies and tv then your approach is going to be different you know if you want to be something different your approach is going to be different so it kind of depends on what your end game is Okay, I'm glad that you you brought that point up about your brand. And it is so important because early in the game, you had to identify, okay, what, who is my audience? Who am I selling myself to with my craft and staying true to that throughout the duration? Have you ever been faced with a, a point where you felt like someone wanted you to compromise that? Um, Absolutely. And I wouldn't know if it was so much like they wanted me to compromise because they may not have knew what my brand was. It was mm-hmm. me having to figure out that I could say no to some things. And that's kind of, I think, most of the power for a comedian is figuring out what your brand is, finding your voice, and being able to say no to something. Um, even I'm, I'm still learning that now, you know, because I was so quick to say yes, yes, yes to, to shows. And then I look at the show and I'd be like, no, nah, that ain't really me. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I already said, yeah. And because I got work ethic, I'm going to do it. So you kind of have to sit back. And when you're building your brand, um, people will try to test you. And, oh, what is and And I think the good thing now is I love saying that is that if people ask me to do a show and I don't want to do it, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. That's just not a part of my brand. 
And I think branding is so important right now that people understand that and they don't really challenge that. So that's the good thing. See, and it's all about how you respond to people. You just simply saying, you know, no, thank you because it's not part of my brand says a lot more than you just say, no, I'm not going to do that right now because you don't get the stigma or, oh, she don't want to work with nobody or she thinks she's better. No, she has a certain brand and she has work ethic and she wants to be authentic to who she is. And that's so I think. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm saying, and that's that you just hit the nail on the hammer, you know, and that's the biggest way to just get people off your back. <laughs>
you know, you have tears to it. So we have veteran comedians here who have been on the road. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, we lost one of the great ones, Rest and Funny, to comedian Kool-Aid, a.k.a. Tyrone Wright. Um, mm-hmm. Kool-Aid was the man. So mm-hmm. uh, Coco, Shawnee D, uh, Foolish, these people, um, when you go on the road, for instance, I went to Chicago with my friend Heather. Uh, we got in the car, drove to Chicago. Heather had already been down there. So Heather had to vouch for me. This is my friend Melanie. She funny. Put her up. So then once they mm-hmm. put me up, then I have to prove to them that she's funny. So in our business, we vouch for other people out of state. Um, but you got to do your work at home because if you don't do your work at home, you have nobody at home to vouch for you. So it may make it a little hard for you to get on, you know, on the stage. Um, I can come to North Carolina and be like, hey, I know so-and-so. And they'll call, you know her? Yeah, I know her, put her up. And they'll put me up. But then it's my job to prove that I earned that vouch. You know what I'm saying? Because if you mess up somebody's vouch, then you messed it up for that person that vouched for you because they won't be able to vouch for anybody else again. So it's very serious. Um, you got to put in the work here so people know you here so that you can earn your vouch and you can earn your way to get out of town and people know you and they'll call. And like I'm saying, that's not all the time. Um, but for some of the time, it is that way, especially in urban rooms, you know. But again, when you go out of town, people don't know you. They got a million comedians coming up to them, asking them, can you put me up, you know, and they don't have a a point of reference. You know, on a regular job, you got three references that you can call. Mm -hmm. We don't have no references, so they have to call home. Do you know her? Yeah, put her up. She's good. Okay. So-and-so said you're good. So that's kind of how it works for us. Yeah, and that goes back with making a name for yourself locally because if you are difficult to work with or you are, like you said, nasty off stage, when you get out of town and someone calls to say, hey, do you know her? They're going to be like, no, mm-mm, don't put, I, no, Pretty I much. do not know her. <laughs> or you whatever if you want, you know, the word travels fast. That's the point, it travels real fast. So, you know, good word or a bad word can go either way. Awesome, awesome. So, for those who are trying to break into the business, what are probably the top three, maybe five tips that you can give them? Um, hit as many microphones, as many open mics as you can. Uh, shut up and listen. <laughs> Sometimes you have to <laughs> shut up and listen. Be humble. If you don't, be honest with yourself about your abilities. Um, don't let one good night cloud that you had 17 other bad nights you know what i'm saying so don't be realistic about where you are in your comedy you know skills and abilities don't take on more than you can chew um i would always tell people it's better to have a hot five minutes than a mediocre 10 all day um and the fifth thing i would say don't be afraid of bomb if you bomb on stage because it's going to happen inevitably this is just what comedians do i've bombed Catherine Hart bomb, Chris Rockman bomb, we've all bombed. That's just a part of the game. Don't be afraid from the other bomb. Learn from it because you're going to feel icky and you ain't going to never want to feel that feeling. And you're going to try to do whatever you can to minimize that as much as you can. Like I said, as comedians, it's bound to happen on a national level. It's just something that happens. But again, um, we try to minimize it the best we can. Don't be afraid of it if it happens just let it happen but if it happens be a professional and don't play in the audience just get off stage it happens, it happens yeah, it don't happens. play in the audience 
and I was like, those oh, are, yeah. I think those are very good tips that can transcend across any business. So definitely, if you are an aspiring comedian, I hope you had your pen and paper out so you could write down these tips. If not, just go back and listen to it because those that I think those are some really, really good tips for people because I think when we have those bad moments, it's like, oh, I done failed. I can't go on. I might as well give it up. No, you, you're you going to have some failure, but overcome it and keep it moving. Absolutely. I had one last night, so absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bombed Look, last but- night, but I live to fight another day. Exactly. You got what? Several shows this evening, right? Yeah, I got three shows this evening. So, hey, there we go. So, let's go into talking about, you said that every um, comedian has an end game. So, what is next for you in your career? Uh, Well, my end game, well, my next move is to travel a little bit more um, than what I have been traveling and focus more on some, um, just hitting as many stages as I can trying to get my name out here more um, in the country instead of just the Midwest. So I just want to travel a lot more, work on some actual skits and some things that I have um, to put on the internet and everything like that, because, you know, people have a short attention span. So if that's what I have to use to draw them in to a show, but then I can still bag it up, then great. So just kind of experiencing comedy, firing off at all cylinders, networking as much as I can, uh, and trying to get exposure is my next is my next plan that I'm working on. Okay. That is awesome. Now this will probably air in about a month or so. So what shows uh down the line that you do you have any coming up that you can let our listeners know so they can get their tickets? Oh, okay. Well, I will be um performing at stands one night stands comedy club in waterford that is march 13th no march 14th 15th and 16th i will be there that's on one night stands comedy club in waterford um i will also be march 23rd i will be down in southgate um you can find the link on my page Uh, i post everything on my facebook page that's melanie hearn h-e-a-r-n or on my Instagram, which is Melanie J underscore comedy. Yes, no S on the end of her. No y'all. S. No S. No S. Because <laughs> I get that all the time. Hers. No, I no. did not say an S. No, did I did not say Hans. I said her. Right. Thank you very much. So <laughs> we are going to go into this round that I like to call time capsule because I feel like we need to leave that knowledge for the next person for them to come up and get that information okay okay you ready okay all right so the first question is what would you tell your younger self chill out you are the bomb and you are way ahead of your time just catch up just let everybody else catch up to you right I love that I love that what keep you keeps you sane through this journey? Um, my faith and um, I don't know if y'all have proposal one down there, but I'll call it proposal one. Uh, some people call it THC. I don't know what you want to call it, but <laughs> some people call it Mary Jane. I don't know what you want to call it, but <laughs> some things keep me sane on this journey. You know what I'm saying? Don't judge me. I'm a comedian. That's my artistic brain. You know what I'm saying? So faith in her. Hey, faith in her. <laughs> It helps you with focus. Yes. It, it helps with focus, focus. okay? Focus. Focus, focus to not punch nobody in the throat. Focus. Exactly. Don't want to have to hurt nobody. 
Okay, the next question is, what tools do you use to help you um, on your journey? Oh, man, what tools have I used? Um, Actually, just my common sense. You know, if you on this journey, you need common sense, you need wisdom, and you need discernment. So those three things, um, godly wisdom, uh, divine discernment, and common sense is what I use to help me along this journey. Let's let's take a moment for those who definitely need that common sense. No, I'm just just saying. Take a moment of silence for people who lack common sense. Yes, common sense is a very essential tool. Just have just a tad bit of common sense. That'll just help. a little common sense. Just a little bit. So who is, well, not who, but what is the name of another shift maker, go-getter, a person who is out there just doing a doggone thing that's going under the radar that people need to know about? I will absolutely say my sister, Michelle Jones. My sister is a regional vice president for a financial services firm, um, which is a very uh, underrepresented field for African-American women. Uh, Mm -hmm. She is um, Serious 6 licensed, so she can move your money around, um, life insurance together. She's licensed in multiple states, so North Carolina, she can assist you as well. Um, She also builds, she helps people build, um, you know, just kind of build their dreams. She not only runs the office but she has her other recruits and employees and you know just kind of building her team and she does all this and she is a wife and a mother of five six so she has six children um and a wife uh one in college one in she's a senior in high school the other one is a all-american basketball player and so all the kids are in the activities um she's still active in the church and she's still the best big sister ever because I can still call on her and she has all the great advice. So that is somebody that is moving, shaking, and definitely under the radar. Yes, ma'am. We don't have to have Michelle on the show to talk about how to juggle having a career and a family success- successfully. Definitely, okay. Definitely. Yes, so I will link her information in the show notes for those who may not know her and need to know her. And hopefully you'll be hearing her on Shift the Plan podcast very, very soon. And the last question in the time capsule is, what are you most thankful for? Life. Mm -hmm. Um, Just life. Every day that I breathe, um, every day that I get up, I'm just thankful for life. And I am ultimately thankful for um god blessing me with the gift of being a comedian uh, it's not a lot of us in this world it's not a lot of us that can um shift people's whole moods and mm-hmm. you know make people cry make people laugh. you know it's that's in itself is a gift so i'm thankful for the platform that he's provided me um i'm thankful for the things he's done in the past to all everything he's done to lead me up to that point because what people don't fail to realize about comedians is every joke that we have is rooted in some type of pain um so had those things not happened to me um I wouldn't be able to you know make other people laugh and I thank him for giving me that ability to decipher horrible things in my life and turn them into something funny and relatable to help other people so that I'm thankful for 
That is awesome. That is so awesome because you don't think about that part um, often. You just think, oh, they're getting up on the stage. They're funny. No, it comes from something. There's a place that that comes from. Yeah. 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 And most of our jokes, like I said, they I, I can pinpoint my whole set and I can tell you where the pain was, where the joke came from, and it became a joke. Wow. Wow. Do you think that that is more of a therapeutic means or do you think for some people it's just masking it and them not being able to cope? Um, no, that is our coping mechanism. Um, that is. Yeah, I've had um, I got a comedian friend. Her father passed and she still went on stage after the wake. After wow. You know, wow. that's that's how we get it out. You know, her brother. That's how we get it out. Um at some point in time. So she talks about the funeral on stage. I had a friend who did jokes at her daddy funeral. That's that's how we process stuff. Um so for everybody else, comedians are the most inappropriate people on earth. We we laugh when we're supposed to cry and we cry when we're supposed to laugh. You know what I'm saying? So we we just the inappropriate group of people. An uh, inappropriate group of people. <laughs> I love it. Our emotions are not where they're supposed to be at the time they're supposed to be there. <laughs> It's okay, though. It's okay. I think that, you know, you talk about shifting the plan. I definitely think that you guys need to be commended a lot more than you are because, like you said, you are able to shift a whole person's mood. Someone can have a bad day and hear a set from one of you guys or just to have someone like you in their life, they know that if, I, if I'm if i going to need a pick-me-up or if I know that someone can turn my day around, I know I can call Mayor. So just talk about shifting the plan. I think that you guys are amazing at your craft and what you do, and you should be commended a lot more than you are. Oh, my thank you. If y'all hear that, world, we need to we need it. So pay us what we work. <laughs> yes, pay us our dues. <laughs> Today is what we worth, y'all. So yes, I'm glad that you took the time out of your day to just sit down with me and let our listeners hear your story. Let us know what you have coming up and to be on the lookout for some more things from you. Yes, ma'am. And again, everybody follow me on social media. Um, Melanie Hearn, H-E-A-R-N, no S. M-E-L-A-N-I-E because black folks like to be like Melanie or Melody, <laughs> and that's not my name. Um, <laughs> Instagram is Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E J underscore comedy. Um, follow me. I'll follow you back and I'll even talk to you once a day. <laughs> are, you on, are you on YouTube too? Oh, and YouTube. I'm sorry. I have a YouTube station under my name as well and that's Melanie Herman too. Awesome. So For more to come from Melanie Hearn, definitely go follow her, people, so you stand in the know. And, you know, we look forward to having you in the Queen City because I'm just going to speak it out there. And why we put it out there? Because my girl is down there. So, uh, Hershey, get me down there. Hershey, the entertainer. That's my girl. So, Hershey, you hear my cousin. You better get me down there. We put you on blast. Yes, she is in my group, my Detroit to NC group. She's in there. So yeah, that's my baby. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, tell her. I will definitely tell her. Matter of fact, I'm going Absolutely. to tell her today. And I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like some fire under her. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, thank you for joining us once again. Everyone, just remember that if you are not subscribed, to get subscribed. So you do not show the episodes like this one. Every Wednesday, a new episode is posted. And you can now get Shift the Plan apparel. You can get a Shift the Plan hoodies or T-shirts and a Get Over Your Shift T-shirt or hoodies because, you know, we just need to stop saying stuff. We need to get over <laughs> our shift. 